Welcome to Practical Christian Living. What if someone is politically different than you? Oh, I told you you're going to hit a little bit close to home, huh? Well, I'd help them if they were what I am. But I'm not help. We've got such hate, such prejudice today against other political parties. There is such division among us today that as Christians, maybe God is even testing us. Following a list of rules doesn't do anything to keep you close to God. Why? Because it's all external and a real relationship with God isn't based or grounded on a list of do's and don'ts. It's a matter of the heart. With more on our teaching out of Matthew chapter 23 and why the Pharisees had it all wrong, here's Robert Furrow. In verse 29, he says, but he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus gives him the story. Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, was stripped. They stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him for dead. The Jerusalem is a mountain. I forget what the, what the elevation of Jerusalem is. It's easy to look up. I could look it up on, you know, I could put it in a search engine and look it up in two seconds. I didn't take time to do that. It's somewhere around 3,500 square uh, feet above sea level, I think, maybe a little bit more than that. And Jericho is 1,000 feet below sea level. It's on its way down to the Dead Sea, which is 1,200 feet below sea level at the surface of the water in the Dead Sea. It's the lowest place on earth. You very rarely get places that are below sea level by that far. And so the road down from Jerusalem had a lot of switchbacks because it's 17 miles and there's a lot of switchbacks that are going downhill a lot. And I've taken that journey in a bus that could seat 55 people. And when we got there we, to, to Jericho, we applauded the bus driver. Thank you that we are still alive because you're looking over these precipices as you're going around these switchbacks and the bus has to go really slow with traffic coming the other way. And it was like, okay, that's the road today. Imagine it in their day. It had the switchbacks still. They had to. You just couldn't go straight downhill that way. So they had the switchbacks. They were bringing carts and camels and stuff up and down that road. And it was a place where thieves would take advantage of people. And so this man was beaten by thieves, he was stripped, and he was left for dead. We could say that he has a great need. This man has a great need in his life. It says in verse 31, now by chance a certain priest came down the road. Just by chance a priest shows up. And you might think that could be good news. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. A priest is the, well, the high priest is, has the highest position in Israel. A priest was supposed to be a mediator between God and man. He stood between God and man and gave the sacrifice. That's why we don't have priests today. We have one mediator, that's Jesus Christ, and he is our high priest. So I do have a priest. It just happens to be Jesus who is my priest by the order of Melchizedek. And he stands between me and God. But a priest in their day stood between the people and God. And if anybody should have had compassion on him, it should have been this priest. Second would be a Levite. A Levite is in the family of Moses. That Moses was a Levite. Levites were set aside so that they could take care of the spiritual needs of Israel. There was no land that was a tribe of Levi, 
But the Levites had cities that were throughout all of Israel so they could take care of the spiritual needs of the people. And this is even an act of compassion on God. And we'll explain that at some other point. Uh, quickly, Simeon and Levi destroyed Shechem and they were cursed by their father that they would not be given land in Israel or they wouldn't have land in Israel. That was fulfilled by Simeon being assimilated into Judah, not having their own land. And God blessing Levi with being able to minister to the nation in different places and not given their own piece of land. So God used that curse and even turned it around for a blessing. That's how awesome our God is. He can take curses and he can turn them around and he can use them for blessings. But if anybody should have stopped and helped, it was a priest. And secondly, it was a Levi. But he says when he arrived at the place, he came and looked. He's a little bit more interested than the, than the priest who just walked on the other side. And he passed by on the other side. He was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm out of here. Now, I love when people speculate what these guys thought. Well, this priest probably thought if I touch that dead body, then I'm going to be unclean for seven days. I won't be able to do my work. Or maybe those thieves are still lurking around. He didn't think that. The priest didn't think that. The Levi didn't think that. Why? It's a story. It's a parable. The priest didn't exist. The Levi didn't exist. They didn't have any of those thoughts. He's simply telling us that for that priest and for that Levite to walk by, a man in great need is immoral. They should have stopped and they should have helped. And for us to walk by people with great need is immoral. We should stop and we should help them. We of all people, the Bible says, if you give to the poor, you lend unto God and God repays you. We should have compassion. Then he says, but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Now, we've talked about the Samaritan some, so I don't want to go into great detail here, but I do want to just kind of highlight it for those of you who may not be familiar with them. The Samaritans were a different people group than the Jewish people that lived in Israel. They were descendants of Assyrians and Jews that had intermarried, they lived on Mount Gerizim and the area of Samaria used to be the capital of Israel when it was a divided kingdom. And there were several villages in Samaria that were occupied by Samaritans. They were different politically than Israel. They were different religiously than Israel. They were a different people group than the people of Israel. So they were radically different. And the Samaritans didn't like the Jewish people and the Jewish people didn't like the Samaritan people. In fact, if you were Jewish and you said to another Jew, you are a Samaritan, is a, is a bad word. And they said that to Jesus, remember? And they said to him, now we know that you are a liar and a Samaritan. They called Jesus a Samaritan. Now, today, that word's been totally flipped. And if I say to you, you're a Samaritan, that means something good, doesn't it? It means that you're a person who helps people. And I love how a name that was derogatory to the Jewish people has been turned around now to mean something that is incredibly positive. But this Samaritan sees him and it says two things about him. Number one, he saw him. Number two, he had compassion. And these are the first two things that I think about that we need if we're going to help the people around us. Number one, we have to see them. We have to be aware of the people that are around us, the people we interact with, 
friends, families, co-workers, acquaintances, their friends, their families, people that we see driving down the road that have great need and we just drive by them and we don't even think about them. I would say the first thing we need to do is look around us to see the people that are in need. We here at the church support Gospel Rescue Mission. They help the homeless in Tucson and we support them. We think it's good. I think it's good for you to support them personally. It's a way for you to invest in those that are, are the poorest among us. And they give them the gospel. They take care of their personal needs. But that's not what we're talking about here. It's good to do that. I encourage you to do it. I encourage you to give to them. Look, look for them to be a charity you give to. We support the Samaritan's Purse, which is Franklin Graham's organization. They bring the gospel around the world and they care for people's needs around the world. And we think that they are a great organization to reach out and not only help people who are in Tucson, but help the poorest people around the world. Personally, I want to help the poorest people in Tucson and I want to help the poorest people around the world. And I think that's because I'm a Christian. That's one of the transformations God gave me. But this is, that's not what we're talking about here. I don't just get to give some money and then go, I'm, I'm done. I have a responsibility when someone comes across my path that has a need. Doesn't mean I have to help everyone that comes across my path. It means that I should be thoughtful, that I should be seeing, that I shouldn't just be ignoring. And of course, for us, most often, that's going to be the guy standing on a street corner with a sign that says, I will work for food. Should you help that person? Last night I said I was going to, do, and I forgot. I was going to come back to it and cover it. And then I forgot. My, my wife told me later on, I was praying for you that you wouldn't forget. And I forgot until the very end when I came back from the prayer. I said, listen, by the way, I don't, and so let me just tell you now, all of that to say, let me tell you now. I don't know that you have to help every person that you see on a street corner with a sign. But I also don't know that you shouldn't. I'm a cashless society. I don't carry cash anymore. You guys like that? I just don't carry cash. So when I see someone, I don't have any money to give them anyway. I don't have anything to give them. So a while back, I went to the bank and I got $100 worth of ones and I kept it in my car until they were gone and then I forgot about it. I, then that may be a good thing for us to do. We may just go, you know what? It might not need to be $100. It might be more than that, it might be less but something that you maybe get some fives or some twenties or whatever you want to do. And you go, I'm going to give this money to people that I come across who are in need. And you, you might say a few things. There might be some compassion killers in your life. You might look at that person that's on that corner with his two dogs and say, he's asking for food to feed himself. He's got dogs. Why has he got dogs? There might be what I call compassion killers in our lives. Let me give you three. I think there's more than this. But here's three compassion killers. He was an aware neighbor. He saw people and he was a compassionate neighbor. And I think these could be, these could be compassion killers. Number one, he got himself into this position. We see him and we go, you know what? They're probably an addict. They probably want to live on the street. They got themselves in this position. And the thought is, therefore, I don't have to help them. And it may very well be true. They may have gotten themselves. When you come across someone that has a great need, they may have gotten themselves into that position. They may have been at fault. But just let me ask you a question. Have you ever gotten yourself into trouble and God had compassion on you? Have you ever been the, the reason you got into trouble 
And then God rescued you and showed his love towards you. So that should not come into play. We want to be careful that we don't enable. I understand that. I have a family member who's an addict. I want to help her every way that I can. But I've got to be careful because it, it, it truly does enable her. So I need to be careful that my help is real help and that I find ways other than just giving her cash. I've got to be able to do that. But I could easily say she got herself into this situation, therefore relieving me from having to have compassion on her. It's a compassion killer. Another one would be they'll use this for the wrong thing. If I give this guy on the street corner $20 right now, he's not going to go buy food with it. He's going to get drunk. And then God's going to be mad at me because I'm responsible for getting the guy drunk. That's a compassion killer. First of all, you're not responsible if he takes your money and goes and gets drunk with it. He's responsible, you're not. Unless you give him the money and say, go get drunk. Then maybe you'll have some responsibility. Other than that, it doesn't matter. You give in the name of Christ. You're giving because you've seen someone. You've been moved to have compassion on them. And now you want to give to them. It may be somebody that you hear of that is going through a particularly hard time and they're struggling in their home. Let me give you an example of one that happened a few years ago. A family at our church that was a regular attender, their house burned down. And I love that in the church organically, it wasn't, didn't go through any leadership. Organically, a group of people got together and they pooled money together. And then they came to the church and they said, could we like have an, a, a fund here at the church that people could give to to help them? And so we let the body know in a more general sense but I love that it didn't start with me saying, hey, you guys, we got a family that got burned out of their home. Would you help? It started by people in the church that saw their great need and said, I can't help them completely, but I can help them. And I think other people can help them and we might be able to get enough to really help them. And we were able to do that. You might say they'll use it in the wrong way, especially if there is, you know, if their struggle has anything to do with them, what they have done. The final grace killer I have, I think there's others, but the final grace killer that I have is that sometimes we are prejudiced. They're not like us. They're different than we are. And I'm not just talking racially, although that may very well be the case. And it's not always black and white. Sometimes it's, it's Asian. Sometimes it's, it's Indian as, as Native Americans. Sometimes I, I came from Albuquerque. There's a place, Gallup, not far from there. When you drive through Gallup, you would see a lot of Native Americans that would just be passed out on the side of the road. And, and trying to help them was like, I don't know if I can help them. Maybe there was some prejudice in me because they are different than me. It's really easy to help our neighbors that are living around us because they look like us. Let me give you other prejudices that might be out there. Let me give you another one. What if someone is politically different than you? Oh, I told you you're going to hit a little bit close to home, huh? Well, I'd help them if they were what I am. But I'm not help. We've got, we've got such hate, such prejudice today against other political parties. There is such division among us today that as Christians, maybe God is even testing us that we would not be prejudiced towards those that think different than we do. It shouldn't matter to us. They might be so politically, they might be a communist. 
from a communist country. And yet God would have us to have compassion on them. No difference should ever stop us, but it does. And it's worth us evaluating and asking ourselves. So it says in verse 34 that he went and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. He, he invested money, time. I'm sure that if this were a real person, he would have had places to go. So I see three things that makes him a good neighbor, a giving neighbor. There was a, an aware neighbor, aware of the situations of people around him, a compassionate neighbor. He had compassion on him, even though he was different than he was. And he's a giving neighbor. Number one, he was willing to be inconvenienced. I think of, you know, what kind of a financial situation might a normal Samaritan be in? He might have enough money to take care of things and to help. And some of us are like, I'll throw money at things, but clean up his wounds? Put him on an animal? Take him to an inn? Care for him while he's there? Tell, come back and check on him later on? I'll just pay somebody else to do that. I don't want to do all that. He was willing to invest his time and be inconvenienced. And that's a part of compassion. If we're going to reach out and help the people around us, then we need to be willing to be inconvenienced by them. In fact, one of the things the Bible talks about being a strong characteristic in Christians is hospitality. In fact, it says that someone should not be a spiritual leader if they are not hospitable. That's how important it is. And to be hospitable, you have to invest your time. N number two, he was willing to invest his own resources. He, he was willing to go, you know what? I've got some money here and I can help this guy. Might not have been a lot of money, but he had some money. He could help that guy. You have been given, you have been given, you have been given money by God. It's like I'm going to get stuck in that, like a record. You have been given, you have been given, you have been You've been given finances by God to take care of your needs, but also to reach out and to help other people. And as I said, giving to the Gospel Rescue Mission, giving to Samaritan Purse, giving to some other organization that takes care of people's needs is good and we need to do it and we should be generous. And God will give back to us because we're giving to them. The, the church here takes care of people's in need. It's good to give to what we're doing for our benevolence funds for people that don't go to our church or people who do go to our church. That's all good, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about when you run into someone who's in need. When in the course of living your life, you run into that person, now you're willing to say, God will take care of me. I can help them financially because God will take care of me. Again, I'm going to quote the Old Testament proverb that says, he who lends to the poor lends money to God and God repays. God says, given it will be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. The third thing that I see is he was willing, if he were a real person, he would be willing to risk getting hurt. That he would have to kind of give up his safety a little bit to get over there and help this guy. Because there were thieves around and they had beaten and stripped and left this guy for dead. So now they're willing to go and he's willing to get hurt. He's willing to risk. And there, there might be some risk in helping someone. There might be some risk in helping a family member that, that is in some kind of need because maybe they've hurt you before when you've helped them. 
I'm speaking from experience, by the way. Maybe they haven't been as grateful as they should be. Maybe there'll be a risk to you. But that should never stop us from opening up that heart of compassion towards the person who is in need. And so in verse 36, it says, So which of these, Jesus said to him, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said to him, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now, I love the command to go and do likewise. And we want to evaluate now the way we treat people when we see them in need. And I'm going to suggest that this is going to be a rare thing for you. I don't think you're going to go out and be seeing people in need every day. It might differ between people and it might differ because of your job. You might see it all the time. If you're a social worker, if you're, if you're working in the unemployment office in Tucson, you might see it all the time. But for the majority of us, it's going to be rare. And I'm just asking you to seek God about whether or not you should be ready. When you drive by that person on that street corner, to not just look past them, but to be led by the Spirit. Maybe the Holy Spirit has a reason for you not helping. So you may feel led not to help. That's part of what being led by the Spirit is. If I just told you every person you see, you help. I'd be giving you a rule. I'd be, I'd be lording over you, first of all. As a pastor, you're not supposed to do that. Secondly, I'd be giving you a command, and now we would be legalistic, and we would be living by the law instead of being led by the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit. So we want to consider that. But we want to be available to God to meet the needs of people who are hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, and in prison. These are the categories that we have and we want the fruit of our life to reflect that. But remember, the question of this lawyer was, what must I do to have eternal life? Right? So you can't get saved by helping people in need. It's not a matter of salvation at all. Helping people in need is a good thing. It reveals that we've made a true commitment to Christ. And God may want to rebuke some of us here, that haven't been helping. And that's a good thing. But this is really about salvation. And I cannot always be the loving neighbor. I can't always love God. And so I need to make a commitment to Christ. He took my sin and shame on that cross as a substitute. And if you're here today and you've never received him, I want to give you an opportunity to do that before we leave here today. And if you at one point in the past have followed him, but you found it hard or inconvenient to be a Christian and you drifted away. Or maybe you got concerned and cares about other things that became more important to you and your faith was choked out and you want to come back today. I want to give you that opportunity as well. Because as much as this passage encourages us to help people, and that's a good thing, isn't it? It can never save us. It is only the work of Jesus on the cross that can. So stand with me, would you, and let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you that we've been able to spend the time here today looking at how we can help people in need. And we really want to do that. We pray that you would take those compassion killers out of our lives and that we would be of those that make a difference in people's lives. And Lord, we also pray for those that are here that have never made a commitment to you and that we would not misunderstand this and think that the way that I'm going to get to heaven is by being a good Samaritan. We know that that's not what Jesus was saying, that the law is a mirror to show us that we fall short of the law. 
And so, Lord, I pray for those that are here that haven't committed their lives to you or that did a while ago and walked away. I pray that you would give them boldness to take the next step. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on KGUN 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.